Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor with Stone Payton, another episode of GSU ENI Radio, broadcasting live from Georgia State University's Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute, Stone. Hey, this is going to be fun. We've got two seasoned veterans, uh, two folks that we are welcoming back to the Business Radio X microphone. First up in this episode, please join me in welcoming to the show founder and CEO with Beyond the Classroom, Miss Bayina Jihad. How are you? I'm great. How are you? We are doing good. Well, update us on Beyond the Classroom. What do you got going on? Well, last time I was here... I was an educator. I was in the classroom right. and doing beyond the classroom. <laughs> I remember. This time I transitioned. So I am officially out of the classroom and I am a full time entrepreneur. And then uh, you're involved with the uh, Main Street Entrepreneurship Seed Fund? Yes. So uh, luckily, how'd that go? It went well. Uh-huh. I'm so happy. Um, I applied and I'm glad I made it. And so I'm super excited to continue growing my business and growing myself as an entrepreneur and a founder. Well, tell us about uh, the Main Street Entrepreneurship Seed Fund. How does that work and how'd you get involved and, and what, what'd you get for being part of that? So I am a GSU alum. So you had to be an alum or a current student. Um, I'm a GSU alum. I graduated in 2014. And um, so after basically you had to be a a diverse founder, so a woman or a person of color or, um, yeah, person of color. (laughs) So um, you had to apply. And once you got it, you had two, I guess, two little um, pathways. So one will be a startup and the other one is just the idea stage. Because Beyond the Classroom is going on for a year, we are part of the startup phase. And so we received $10,000. $10,000. How how did it feel to get that check? Great. <laughs> it was, I mean, amazing. So we can continue growing and continue doing things and taking risks without having limitations on us. Now, how'd you use the money? So we're going to use it on um, expansion. So basically acquiring more customers, doing a little bit more customer discovery, um, marketing, uh Still adding up some things that we probably need to do just um, to continue growing. But overall, it's going to be spent on growth. And then uh, what what have you guys accomplished so far? So, so far, we d- served over 75 students um, in their second through fourth grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were able to build a partnership and um, we're actually launching our fall into literacy campaign starting today. <laughs> so I'm super excited about that. But yeah, right now we're really just um, building partnerships and acquiring more customers from after school programs and schools. Now, uh, has there been any surprises or has this gone according to plan? Of course it went according to plan. No surprises at all. Um, Definitely surprises. Like I said, I'm transitioning from an educator to an entrepreneur. So it's a lot of uh, gaps that I have to fill. And I'm so super excited to be a part of mainstream Main Street uh, Seed Fund just because I believe it's going to help me fulfill those knowledge gaps by learning from the best. 
Because it's not just the money, right? It's the contacts and the education and exactly. the networking and things like that. Exactly. The advisors, the networking, and having an accountable partner, having somebody um, basically making sure that you do what you say you want to going to do. So now, um, how have you found the uh, advisors? Are they, have they been helpful? Have you gotten good advice? Well, we haven't started yet. Um, I know I talked to one, and that was just the beginning of it, just to tell him overall what I was going to do with the money and what's my goal for the um, program. And so he gave me a, a, a lot of, like, great uh, ideas on, like, where we can start from, where we can start. Um, but, yeah, it's been amazing so far. I'm excited. to look. I'm looking forward to talking to more people and more advisors. And then um – What's your dream of dreams? How, do, how how does the story end for you? Really, to just expand literacy is a uh, is not just a state issue; it's a national and global problem. So, being able to really expand and impact lives, um, not only in the United States but abroad, so I'm super excited about that. And then you've been featured in a lot of places because this is yeah. starting to catch on. You're getting some traction, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I was featured in Hypopotamus. I was featured in Fast Company. Um, I am waiting for my announcement to be featured in Pearson. So I am definitely gaining some traction, which is really great. So what got you on this train in the first place? I mean, there you were, minding your own business. You got you a good job. You were meant to educate. You're yeah, you're in yeah. the in the general arena you're supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know. You just you you went berserk. You went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Was there like a, a some sort of catalytic event that just kind of thrust you into this whole new endeavor? Um, overall, I'll just say it was my experience as an educator. Um, being in my placement. So I went to, I went through Teach for America and I was in a placement school. Uh-huh. And I was there for four What's years. What's a placement school? So basically Teach for America placed you in a school to teach for two years. Mm-hmm. And I decided to extend it. So I stayed in my school for in four years. In that same school? In the same right. school. Um, so I love the community. I just noticed a huge problem with like students entering my classroom and my other colleagues' classroom in third grade reading below grade level and then after like talk, way below grade level wait, like first so 68 mm. percent of third graders read at first or second grade level and then once you start getting behind at that young it's age so hard it's hard up. to catch up if right? you, it has to have you have to have intentional and um, intense sessions that target your needs and so for me talking to my colleagues and talking to just overall educators i feel like it was it was just something that was common and so being Baina, the less solved problems, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, um, I think I can do this. I think I can create a service that is very personalized to the student needs and we'll be able to advance their skills um, faster than just a normal classroom setting. And then do you work with other teachers? Are they the ones executing kind of this curriculum to kind of accelerate the learning for some of these young kids? Yeah, so we hire uh, literacy coaches, we call them, and they're certified educators. We hire the top-notch educators who have uh, skills in reading. And so we hire them, and they actually implement it, so they connect with the students virtually. So it happens um, like through... Like video conference or exactly, so they don't have to be face to face in no. person, right? Yeah. So that way you can reach people all over the place. Exactly, exactly. So they connect on Zoom, um, a video conferencing platform. And then, do you remember that first child that you were able to impact, and and the light bulb moment goes off? 
<laughs> yes, yes. My student, my first student, um, his name is Markel, and he came to my classroom in the middle of third grade reading on a kindergarten level. And he was so passionate. So, so what does that mean? Like when you're saying level, like give me an example <laughs> of on third grade, what are some of the things they could like words they can read? And then what was he doing? Okay. So on third grade, typically you read over 150 words per minute. Um, you basically is reading chapter books. You're reading books that have like tier three vocabulary words. So, so like, a, where is like the Dr. Seuss books? Like, are they reading Dr. Seuss books Dr. or Seuss farther? Books is like kindergarten. That's book. kindergarten. That's book. like kindergarten. So they're reading book. kind of like Harry Potter. So, mm-hmm. an intro to Harry Potter. Let's say um, Dogman. Have you heard of Dogman? No. You may not. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm they're old. they're <laughs> reading. Um, so, so Harry Potter will be like a fourth grade, fifth grade book. Uh-huh. So think of a chapter book that's a little bit more. Um, so a little below less, that, but yeah, it's below still that. in the neighborhood of that. Still in the neighborhood of that. Yeah, right. definitely. But not like hop on pop. No. <laughs> and so this kid was reading Dr. Seuss, but struggling to read Dr. Seuss. Book. In third grade. In third while grade. the other kids are almost ready for Harry Potter. Exactly. They're exactly. barely reading Dr. Seuss. Exactly. So that's a big, big difference. That was a big warning sign. Because Dr. Seuss only has like. 50 words just repeated over and over again exactly i what i mean that student um definitely showed me like i needed to do something to help him and support him like fast like fast and so that definitely put a spark on me to like okay let's create something let's make it intentional so i started having sessions with him one-on-one basically doing everything that we're doing now but in person Mm -hmm. and he made grow so he didn't go to at the end of third grade he didn't reached third grade reading level, but he was able to go for first grade, middle of first grade level. So he definitely may grow. Right. And he improved quickly. He improved quickly. And yeah. his confidence probably got better. Oh my and then, gosh. And then now he probably likes reading. And exactly. before he didn't want to read because he was falling behind and it seemed too hard and impossible. Exactly. A lot of students, unfortunately, they the confidence is one of them. So mm-hmm. if they're reading behind, they know they read behind. They know they're reading. Right. Because their peers are exactly. like blown by them and they're like, huh? They're like, that's stupid. And then they just. Exactly. Right. So my service beyond the classroom is not just academic growth, it's it's social growth. So right. we want you to build confidence. We want you to be confident in doing it. We want you to be able to feel like I can tackle this regardless if I can read on level or not, but I, I have the skills and strategies and tools to be able to keep on persevering. And if you fix this, you fix them for life, exactly. right? Exactly. And now they can get good jobs. There's The impact is tremendous if you can catch this early and solve the problem early. Yeah, we're we're trying to grow real life long readers. We want you. I mean, reading is a part of everything. So if you can't read your pathway, your trajectory, right? Of success, what are you going to do different. on the internet? You're exactly. Gonna do, watch videos. Even simpler, <laughs> right? Applications, even like documents, right? Anything you it it takes reading to do any and everything. Yeah. And then recruiting for teachers. How does that work? And where you stand in that front? So we started actually just my network and like Facebook. We send out um, ads basically saying, hey, we're looking for teachers who are interested in supporting kids and making a little side money. I bet they're embracing the heck out of it. No, I remember after yeah. our first interview, yeah. I, I traveled back to Pensacola not long after that, and I mentioned it to my mom, who's yeah. a retired teacher, and takes great pride in the fact that she felt like one of the things she always did really well was teach kids to read. And uh, she just thought that the work you're doing was, was fantastic. Oh, and I could tell, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I suspect a lot of teachers are really embracing the idea. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been amazing. Like, 
I haven't, I mean, being a teacher myself, I knew that teachers, unfortunately, get paid little to none. Not nearly <laughs> enough. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I wanted to do something that um, not only impacts students, but help, helps teachers. Like, we love teaching. We have the knowledge. We have the skills. So why not do that instead of doing Uber, instead of doing, you know, things that's mm-hmm. not catered to your skills and your interests. And the technical knowledge necessary on that side, I mean, you know, my mom's retired and all that, but I, I, it's not that difficult, right? I mean, she could be one of these exactly. instructors, right? It's not yeah. that difficult. It's not at all. As a teacher, no, it's not at all. As an educator, you can definitely do it. Well, to me, I think that's her first question would be, well, what about the technology, doing it virtually? But, I mean, she's on there talking to her grandkids. She's, she's on Facebook talking thing. to my kids Same every day. Thing. I'll tell you that right now. Same thing. If, just think of FaceTime. Face, like something, mm-hmm. our, te- our technology is very minimal just because we know um, technology can be a burden, especially when we talk about access. Um, so our technology uh-huh. is very minimum. All you need is a like computer, a iPad. You even can do it over your phone, you know? Wow. So, so if somebody wanted to learn more, whether it's a teacher that wants to get involved or maybe a student that wants to get involved, is there a website? Yes. Uh, so you can go on to bytc.us. Um, you will also be able to look at activities that we have for parents to be able to do, do simple bonding techniques um, to help them read, you can find us on Instagram at beyond the classroom underscore ATL. Uh, we are launching our fall into literacy campaign. Um, we're basically giving away $150 worth of prizes. So definitely follow us and participate in our activities just to build family and relationships. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. Well, congratulations on the momentum. Keep up the good work. Keep us posted. We're going to continue to follow this story. I just, uh, I love everything about it. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, stay with us. We're going to visit with a couple more guests. All right. All right. Next up on GSUENI radio this morning, we have with us the Grand Poobah, the chief cook and bottle washer with Sound Collide. Please join me in welcoming back to the Business Radio X microphone, Mr. Robert Hatcher. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you doing? We are doing great. Uh, so tell us about SoundCloud. How are you serving folks? Uh, man, we're, we're doing uh, extremely well. Uh, I think the last time we talked, I think we were kind of in a prototype phase. Or, right. You or, were at the very beginning. Right. Okay, perfect. Uh, so now we, we finish uh, the prototype. And, you know, our platform basically facilitates collaboration between two groups of users. Right. That aren't in the same. They can be anywhere. Right. And it's you can think of it like uh, type A and type B. Uh, we learned like most of the relationship type user type A is usually a artist, a vocal artist, whether it's a singer right. or a rapper. It's like uh, yours is for audio, what like sharing a Google Doc would be for sharing text and, or writers were writing, collaborating. Absolutely. And then user uh, type B is usually the producer who handles all the production right. and, and is managing the audio files. So for us, uh, what we've done since then is basically – uh, get it in front of these two type of users to see what are the similarities in terms of features, uh, standard features that we need to implement and what are the differences. And most importantly, what we don't need to spend our time uh, trying to right. build. Uh, so that's, that's so kind you're of, listening to your customers. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good lesson for entrepreneurs, right? Yes. To it start is. there, not your great idea, right. maybe what your customers will pay for and want. A hundred percent. And this, uh, it's been extremely uh, interesting is, you know, I kind of tell people it's like right now we kind of have 
it's like a Tesla with no seat belts and no AC. Right. Like we have the unique value proposition, but we are still missing some of those standard features. And that process was all about just understanding, okay, making sure that the standard features that we assume that we should implement isn't something different than what uh, another user is, is, is expecting. So now we're, we're, we're kind of finishing up that process and we're taking those user requirements and now we're about to implement that into the platform before we make it live, looking at the uh, Q1 of next year. So now SoundCloud started out, you were in, in uh, undergrad, mm-hmm. right? And then now you're getting your MBA? Yes. So you haven't like said, forget about school. I'm just going to focus on this. You're like, I'm going to keep doing my school and focus on this. Yes. It's uh, it's the, the juggle is, I think for most of us as student entrepreneurs is our biggest uh, juggle is opportunity cost. Uh, you could either get a job, right? That's you work 20 or 40 hours a week. Then you're probably in another 12 hours a week for class. And then another 15 hours a week studying outside of class. Right. Uh, the risk of what, you know, I've, I've taken is really just try to be as lean as possible and by going to school, uh, so I'm in the MBA Flex program. And the great, great uh, part about that is I get to kind of customize my concentration. Mm-hmm. So my uh, career path for my concentration is analytics consulting. So it's a lot of uh, data structure and algorithms, uh, data analytics for uh, database management. It's a lot of hands-on to what I'm doing with SoundCollide in terms of some of the technologies and processes. Right, so it complements your SoundCloud work. A hundred percent. I get to I get to learn the fundamentals in class and then I get to go apply it. Right. In SoundCloud. And then are you able to leverage some of the uh, professors and their skills to Absolutely. help you? So it's like free consulting. Absolutely. My my teacher that I'm actually meeting uh meeting up with as soon as we leave here, he's like a PhD in computer science, Google scholars machine learning like everything out the right. wazoo and you're like well that might be useful to know this person a hundred percent some doors a hundred percent i mean he helps me out a whole lot so going to your, back to your point in terms of using school and leveraging the professors and leveraging that time uh really gives me uh the opportunity to make sure i'm building something the correct way and also by using school as the lever he's going to talk to you and he has to help you because you're the student, right? <laughs> right? As opposed to if you were, you know, your own business outside of the school, you're asking him now for a favor to come right. and spend time with you. Right. Because now he's got to. Right. So that works even better. hundred percent. So now um, you're involved with the main street fund, but you're also involved with it takes a village. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Uh, it takes a village. Uh, and I actually think I was part of the uh, first cohort and that's so, at Tech Village. Yep, Atlanta Tech Village, uh, incredible place. Uh, it was the first time they wanted to do a diversity program uh, for people of color and, and women uh, to get more diversity into the building. And that's been amazing in terms of, you know, sometimes, because I've been a part of a lot of uh, programs or accelerators, et cetera, and sometimes you get into these places and, you know, you kind of question, like, is this something that's just good for face value or, you know, are they really committed? Right. And uh, David Lightburn, Karen, like they the people that run the program, Justin, they're extremely committed. And that's, yeah, that's they live in it there. That's not right. pretend. A hundred percent. And that's it, to know people who've built companies and have a, this incredible network that they can plug you in. And they're they're very proactive in helping you. And connecting you with the right person. And because it's also the fun part is because it's Atlanta Tech Village and there's so many startups that's on the edge of innovation, 
if you're doing something uh, that may correlate with somebody else that's in the building, they're right there to make the connection for you. Right. And then you can't dismiss the value of that because that's those kind of collisions and those kind of mashups are where really the rubber hits the road. That's what can take you to the next level. Yep. And that, have you found that? Were you able to meet some folks that maybe are part of the team or you're thinking about recruiting as part of the team? There's, uh, in terms of at, at the village, no. The uh, the team that I have now, um, one is like brother to me. I've known him since I was like maybe 12 years old. Uh, he handles he handles kind of like the product manager uh, mm-hmm. role and kind of uh, manages most of the user testing. Uh, and then my other friend is like, been like my big mentor in terms of uh, developing a product. Uh, he's a data security analyst, uh, works with like AI, works for State Farm. So he's kind of been like my mentor for like the past seven years in terms of uh, me becoming a developer myself. And so you have the core team. And mm-hmm. then what do you need right now? I think the the biggest thing for us really is uh, user acquisition. So once we get ready to deploy the application, uh, we've built a great network, great relationships, and then it's just proving the model wh- where the rubber meets the road mm-hmm. in terms of getting users, the engagement, uh, making sure that users are staying on the platform. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of like either going to really sink or swim, you know, time. So it, it so you have no users right now or you, you have some people? We have – we so the, the application – we built the application first where – we would have to manually send you the application. Mm -hmm. So there was, you can try it out, but there was no user login. There was no dashboard. There was no way for you to save your user account information. Right. So that's the part that we're building now. And then all the users, we've ran tests for maybe over 200 users. So now we're going to circle back and say, hey, the project that you guys were working on, now you can save it and store it. And that's that's really was the bottleneck that was keeping us from growing uh, because there was no place on the platform for the users to actually create an account. Because like say you and I are musicians and we want to work together and you're in California and I'm in New York, mm-hmm. I can go to a portal and then we'll have like a, a Google doc file that we're going to share. Right. And then you can, you know, play your music and I can play my music kind of in real time. Yep. And it's, it's appearing there in the portal. That's yep. the goal, right? Yep. Yep. And then you're you had the prototype that allowed to do it manually, but you couldn't kind of Yep. It was like having the uh it was like having the Google Doc, but having no place to save it. Right. So that was the missing link. Right. So now how close are you to saving it? Uh now we should be done by the by the end of December. Okay, and by the end of the year. Yep. It should be kind of now you can test this in the wild for real. Right. And then users can log on autonomously with all their friends and, you know, grow. And then how many musicians at one time can access it? Uh, So far, I think the most that we've uh, tested is like uh, seven. Seven. Wow. So seven people in different places simultaneously can play. Yep. And then it's all in real time, no lag. Mm -mm, Seven people, I think up to 72 tracks. Wow. Until we start. <laughs> That's when you start having problems with yep. technology. Yeah. But um, with more and more kind of, I guess, it's getting cheaper and cheaper to have storage and, and the bandwidth to do this stuff now. A hundred percent. And there's, because uh, we, there's some technical uh, wizardry that we had to to imply where the way that even browser technology with the Chrome and the way things have updated. Does since, it have to be Chrome? 
Uh, it, right now, it's it only works on Chrome and Firefox. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll build the next uh, version, release it for, for Safari. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it technology and the environment for technology, as you're saying, as you were saying, like with AWS and storage, has advanced so much that even the web sockets in terms of your browser, the way that we can actually store information temporarily in your browser before it has to go from your browser to the database and back. There's so many new uh, techniques uh, that you can, that you can use to kind of really mask the experience of latency. Mm -hmm. So it's, there might be some buffering happening, but you don't notice it. Right. It's, I think it's, we've, I think it's like 0.001, something of a second mm-hmm. but when you finish the recording the it's all perfect it, it syncs back up to the original right. alignment and then how do you handle the different kind of speeds that are happening in each of the seven locations that, of those seven people it's uh it's, it's really kind of so it's almost like a a syncing um mechanism where it's like you hear it in real time and you're responding in real time but the each device is kind of adjusting right so when when you finish uh, saving it, it's basically his computer knows where it started the recording. But because it's like in film, they have the little clicker, right? And mm-hmm. that's the big sound that spikes that everybody goes. That's the beginning point. Yep. And so then, it's, so it's similar. Yep. It's like if if we started recording, uh, say you're say you're the lead singer and I'm the background singer. Mm-hmm. You you start singing at three seconds right and then i start recording at 3.5 seconds right even if there's uh if, if there's a, a a little lag in terms of the computer processing the application knows the exact time that i started the recording so then when when we match finish it goes back to that 3.5 instead of like a and 3. it makes 5, the adjustment that's all happening in the background yep. magically that's yep. the the magic you were talking the wizard wizardry yep <laughs> and that's where you're people with the big brains are working. Yeah. <laughs> this is so inspiring to me. I mean, certainly for the music business, but don't you feel like there's going to be applications for our world at some point, Lee? Yeah, absolutely. I right. think it goes beyond music. I mean, that's a great, obviously the low hanging fruit. That's where the, it, it goes well beyond that. I mean, couldn't other people be participating in this conversation uh, like on the other side of the country and then somehow we sync it all up together when it's time to publish? Yep with this kind of stuff. So this is fun stuff. And then, uh, so now you're, you went through the main street fund. You were, you're in the takes a village. Are you just kind of, kind of going to all these things? you just keep applying for these, uh, programs. Like, <laughs> yes. is that, is that your full-time job? Not, not your full-time, but the kind of that's that's, just um, part of it. Part of, you know, part of entrepreneur is, uh, raising money in any way that you can, whether it's organic, whether it's through grants, whether it's through accelerators, competitions, uh, obviously raising money. Um, so it's, and especially where we are right now, because we've built so many relationships, I think what's exciting for us uh, next year, going into next year, seeing how much money that uh, we can generate by bootstrapping. Right. Cause and, that, that way you don't have any dilution. Like you, mm-hmm. you want to keep as much as possible. And even when we start to talk to investors, at least we'll have a lot more leverage. Right. Because then we know we have a proven business model. And the question mm-hmm. isn't, you know, mm-hmm. will this startup make money? But the question is, how much? How will much? This, right. This that's a different, make money? different conversation. Different conversation. <laughs> so it's uh, that's the part that I'm um, I'm really excited about it. And all these programs has really helped us, you know, hit a milestone and grow uh, mm-hmm. exponentially. 
Good stuff. So now, uh, if somebody wanted to learn more, maybe get into, is it a beta now? What, is, what are you calling this yep. phase? Yep. Still uh, a beta? Still a uh, private beta. Uh, they can reach out to us at www.soundcollide.com, and we would love love for them to try it out. Right. So you are you want to get a waiting list of lots and lots of artists on mm-hmm. this, right? Yep. And now are you working with record companies and labels and things like that to kind of bring all their people on? We have a uh, small small record labels uh record labels uh that we kind of call like mid-sized or small firms and smaller markets uh what we kind of want to do is uh make sure that we test the consistency right uh with a with a volume group of artists and then we're going to introduce it to, to them. the bigger players yep and it's, then when the time comes, um, we'll be the official radio network. Absolutely. Live. We, <laughs> yes, indeed. We get a first look, right? <laughs> yep. We paid our dues. Yes, you have. <laughs> well, keep up the good work, man. It's, it's, it's such an exciting time for you. And uh, you. we're just as happy as we can be for you. And we really do, uh, all kidding aside, we want to support you in any way that we can, man. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, stay with us. we got one more guest we're going to visit with. All right. Please join me in welcoming to the show founder and CEO with Airlift. Um, I didn't ask him before the show how to pronounce his name, so I'm going to let him pronounce it. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's pronounced Shihan. That's exactly how I was <laughs> going to say it. Khan. Shihan Khan? Yes. Yeah, all Perfect. right. Welcome to the show, man. Tell uh, us about you. Airlift. How are you serving folks? Uh, so Airlift is a modern fulfillment platform. Um, for e-commerce sellers. And what that means is if you're selling anything online and you're a business, you can send us your inventory and we'll store it for you. And whenever you make a sale, we'll package and ship it out. Um, the platform allows integrations with um, Shopify, Amazon, and, um, eBay, Big Commerce, And on, on the carrier side, we've got USPS, UPS, uh, DHL, FedEx, all the big, big players. So now who is the, uh, like how many products do I have to have to where you're the good fit? Like, do I have to have thousand inventory of thousand or if I 50, like what, what is the right fit for you? So our, our target market is really the small companies that are doing, um, less than a million dollars year uh and we call them kitchen table e-commerce stores these are your companies that started out shipping themselves uh on their kitchen table in their garage and then all of a sudden they got so overwhelmed that um it's hard for them to turn around it to a traditional fulfillment company or uh scale up a warehousing operations themselves so like what's an example of a kitchen table entrepreneur that you've worked um, with uh, so one of, uh, one of our customers, uh, ha- like has a chocolate company and they started manufacturing the chocolate in their kitchen. Like uh, in their home kitchen? Yeah, in their home <laughs> chicken. So they kitchen. make chocolate. They make chocolate. So this was literally a kitchen table. <laughs> yeah, so this, yeah. So like my wife makes chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. So <laughs> these are, these are, uh, chocolate, uh, chocolate, uh, with, um, uh, essentially, uh, supplements in them. Right. And so it's a nutraceutical. Uh, well, it's, uh, there's nutrients and there's also like, uh, CBD if you're aware of CBD. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they're kind of the first to market with, with this, uh, with this chocolate. And, uh, essentially, like they started, uh, they started shipping it out. They started shipping it with ice and everything. And, um, all of a sudden, uh, like the chocolate sales melts. started. 
Yeah. And especially exactly. if they were doing it in the summer, exactly. that could be a problem in exactly. some parts of the country. Exactly. So, so we have a lot of experience with that uh, cold shipping uh, uh, piece with them. And then they start, they start getting all these wholesale accounts, which most of their uh, revenues is coming from. And so now a wholesale account, they want, a hundred bars, not exactly, two. Exactly. So that's a different type of shipping now. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 doing that in a small space, it's it just gets overwhelming. That those shipping times just get longer and longer. Okay. So say I'm this chocolate bar company and I'm making it myself, the best of my ability. I'm running to UPS or the post office every three days or two days or day or twice a day or whatever it is. What size am I at where I'm like, you know what, I should call these airlift folks because this is getting to be too much? Um, Typically, like we've worked with companies that just started out and it was their first run of product. We've worked with companies that um, have been doing it for a year or so uh, and then they want to jump on board and uh, they, they just want the logistics taken care of. Uh, we've worked with companies that are planning a product. Um, and so, okay. So, so now uh, say I have a hundred bars. Yeah. Can I just go, here's a hundred bars, ship them all out like one at a time. So, so our would platform, that work? Yeah. So for our platform, if you, since they're a local company, typically what they would do is they, uh, typically what any company would do is they would ship us their product from either straight from their manufacturers overseas or, um, from their kitchen, or from their kitchen, right? <laughs> right. So, uh, for this specific company, they actually right now they got a kitchen up in uh, Marietta that they manufacture the product. So, a commercial ki- kitchen where they're able to crank correct, out. Correct, correct. Um, so, and so, uh, how does it get from there to you so and, that you can then send it yeah. out? So, our platform allows for uh, pickups for local pickups, uh, and it's just like Uber. You know, you can. Uh, Take uh, whatever inventory that you have. So, um, how much are they sending then, you? A hundred, a thousand, a thousand. You know, so five hundred to a thousand. So they're sending yeah. five hundred to a thousand bars to you yeah. in in like a a van in one pickup, right? Yeah. In a pickup. Yeah, and we're, it gets we're, to you. Now yeah. you got a thousand of these, and you got to put them in individual boxes to send out. Exactly, or? exactly. And that's your so, problem. Yeah, and and the pickup piece is on us as well. So like they, if they request a pickup, we get the notification and we go out there and and pick. And then up. now you pick it up, you bring them to your place, and then you ship them, and then it's uh, as if this bar company shipped it, right? Like you're just the third party that's doing the labor of doing it. Correct. But it's like it's coming from them. Correct. Correct. Now, why should I do this instead of just use Amazon? Because doesn't Amazon have it warehousing as well? Yeah. So Amazon, Amazon is a great business, um, but Amazon is good for, so what you're referring to is uh, fulfillment by Amazon. Um, Fulfillment by Amazon is great for Amazon only. And, uh, the thing about Amazon is it's a great business, but it's in reality the world's biggest convenience store. Um, if you want to build a brand uh, and if you want to have, if you want to build an ecosystem around your company, whether it's uh, multi-channel uh, support, uh, selling on your own website, selling through social media, uh, at the end of the day. Uh, shipping to Amazon is just an extra step that you're taking. Whereas if you're if you're uh, selling if you're shipping through us, we also have that Amazon piece taken care of. So we look at them more as a partner um, uh, versus really a competitor. And 
and and what's great about Amazon is uh, like they're doing the same thing for third party fulfillment that they did for merchants uh, back ten years ago, and now merchant the merchant marketplace on Amazon is actually like. 70 or 80% of their revenue. So they're building those internal tools to help third-party fulfillment really utilize uh, and and provide that that prime badge to, to their, and their merchants that mm-hmm. are selling on Amazon. So now for you, is it a cost savings for working with you? Uh, or is it a just headache saving? I don't, like I don't have to get into the logistic business. Is that yeah. better? Like what's the benefit for me as the kind of the manufacturer? Yeah. So there, there are a couple of pieces Um, uh, cost savings uh, at scale. You're definitely saving a lot more money. Um, typically there are a few ways, like few options that like customers could go with. Uh, first option is just keep shipping in themselves and eventually scale up that operation, right? Like, Getting but then a I got to build the infrastructure. Exactly. Getting a warehouse, hiring people. Um, and a good example is like back in the day when you wanted to start a tech company, you had to buy servers and you, right. had, to, you had to put it in your garage. Uh, the same thing's happening right now, you know, with uh, with e-commerce. They're essentially building that in, in, in their house and then eventually getting like uh, quote unquote server space, but like actually like a warehouse with shelving and stuff like that. Whereas... Um, and the, and, and, and then the, like another way is to just find a traditional fulfillment company. And these are companies like that are stuck around from the mail order days, right? Uh, they're, they're really backdated in technology and, um, just, just dealing with them is a huge asshole. There's no real inventory transparency. You don't know like real time, like how, how much inventory you have in their warehouses and, um, just onboarding with them is just this huge da- task, like buying a house, right? You have to negotiate <laughs> rates, you have to connect all your systems together, and it takes like a month. And eventually, like uh, when you're when you're on board, if you don't like their service, it's very hard to get out of. All right, let's talk about me for a minute. I mean, we, we've <laughs> talked like for a half hour. We haven't talked about me at all. Yeah, I'm the number two guy in a media company that is opening new studios, and we're uh-huh. going to be opening a lot more studios in 2020. Uh-huh. As part of that arrangement with independent entrepreneurs in different markets, we include the Business Radio X studio kit. Mm-hmm. And it looks like what you see here. It looks a lot like you what you mixer, see here. mics, yeah. mic stands. So is this possible? What I'm envisioning is instead of me doing that every time, and a lot of times this is me on a Saturday organizing yeah. all this, and then figuring it all out, boxing it up, and having an intern do a little bit of stuff, yeah. and then get it. I'm envisioning I reach out to my suppliers, and I get, I don't know, 10, 15, 22 of these mixers you're looking at sent mm-hmm. to you. I get 100 of these microphones. I get 50 of these mic stands. I get all that to you. We get straight on what a Business Radio X Studio Kit looks like, mm-hmm. and then I'm able to somehow on your platform say, okay, I need one in Boise. Um, and I need one in Dallas this yeah. week. And you, you, and you, even to the extent of maybe do you even have Business Radio X tape that we've gotten yeah. that you send the box and it's got the Business Radio X tape on it and you send it out to my new studio partner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, that's, uh, you can do that today, right? Like, so essentially what we have is these, these bundling features where you can like, uh, get different, um, in, in the traditional world, they call it, kidding so like essentially you're you're sending us um 
bits and pieces of your entire package into one location and then you can like specify a bundle and then you can assign a new SKU to that bundle and 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 you can actually ship that out to uh to wherever you want um another thing that i didn't touch on with amazon is like if you're if you're buying off of amazon you're getting it um you're getting it in this box right that with the Amazon logo in it, it's, it's hard for you to build that brand yourself. If you want a customized box, if you want like, um, inserts, um, and that's something that like, you know, right now we're building the technology that you can actually put in your, um, like whatever you want to insert as uh, like upload that and we can print them for you. So it Um, becomes, you're like kind of white labeling me. You're my shipping department Perfect. as opposed to yeah, exactly. I'm outsourcing this to Amazon and it's coming from Amazon. Yeah. Everybody knows it's Amazon. This way it, it looks and feels like it's coming from me exactly. and I'm getting all the credit. I'm keeping the branding. I'm not branding for Amazon. Exactly. Yeah. And then that helps me grow my business because it it has the look and feel as um, yeah. Um, I'm handing them the package. As yeah, it's to- it's like getting a gift in the mail. You know, right. like it's uh, you get excited. You know what you ordered, and you see this box. It's coming from who you order from, and it's beautiful, beautifully packaged. You open it up, and and everything is is there, and it it looks is looks great. And so, so this is perfect for the companies that are tired of um helping Amazon get bigger. That oh, now yeah. you can focus on your own oh, yeah. brand and grow your own brand. Oh yeah. And a lot of, and, and a lot these days, like a lot of, like you'll see, like a lot um, of retailers, I would think that have a e-commerce side. Mm-hmm. It'd be better for them to go through you and keep oh, all yeah. their branding than it is to oh, yeah. just let people order through Amazon. Yeah. I mean, let them order if they want to, but at least give them this option as well. Yeah, it, of course, and and also like another thing uh, is that when Amazon, like they have they have the data to really like look at trends and see what's popular and then they can turn around and build um their own private label versions of of the product they did it with like you know all All birds birds, yeah they did it with like a bunch of other companies and because you're there you're doing market research for them exactly because they know what sells the most they're like wow we can sell this for 50 bucks less let's do this exactly and you scroll down on your Mm -hmm. on your page and you see like you know similar to this and you see all your competitors right right so how do you how do you really build a brand on amazon so that's that's what we help with and we look at amazon hey that's a, just a different channel that's one for, channel for out of many instead of the exactly. only one so now how did you get involved with the um the uh main street entrepreneurship seed fund oh yeah i mean i i applied i, I saw the opportunity i'm, I'm so you're a, a georgia state a, alumni alumni um uh, and i saw the opportunity i applied uh and um so far it's been great you know just uh uh, meeting with everybody is just getting started. Uh, but you know, uh, being a part of a community that everybody's like going towards like their own goal and, and building, building their companies and everybody has similar problems. I think that's very powerful. And if, uh, as me as a solo founder, I, I try to look for, those types of communities as much as possible and, and try to be a part of that. So now, uh, how long have you had this business before you got involved with the, uh, fund? So it started in, uh, late 
2016. Well, started working on it in mid 2016. But you were always in logistics and supply chain. Like, how was that your yeah. background? Yeah. So、um, during college, I had an e-commerce company, and、uh, essentially that's where the problem really stemmed from.、Um, and it, like my day to day would be just you know. Waking up, printing out labels.、Uh, I would go to the storage unit where I kept、uh, a lot of products, and I would just pack boxes all day.、And、I had really no transparency of like how much inventory I had across like、uh, like either my garage, my dad's garage, or like the storage unit. And、um, a lot of times, I would just have to drive down there just and rummage through things just just to see like what I had, right? So I figured there has to be a better way.、Um, I was I was a computer science、uh, major undergrad, and we had this project where、um, you know build a project and and do like a traditional software engineering thing. So you made the project、it. your project. Well, well, I actually never used any of that code,、um, but I convinced my teammate members to like, hey, like, let's build an inventory management app, and they're like, okay, let's do it. But, you know, like, I, I ended up using using that for my e-commerce business, but that's where, like, you know, we kind of you turned kind、around. of proved the model there, yeah, right, with、yeah. your own stuff. Yeah, and then we kind of like, and then I, I kind of, and then I put it on back burner. I kept growing my e-commerce business, but there was a point where I just couldn't grow it anymore. Um, but so, then you're like, "Hey, this tool might be something that I can resell to other people. This this service." Yeah, I mean, it wasn't.、Uh, we I had to start start from scratch, but it wasn't like that. It wasn't it wasn't that robust. Um, and there were better tools for inventory management out there.、Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really set the foundation on the processes that I put in place for for my e-commerce business. And and okay, if we want to have another e-commerce business come and like use us for storage, how would that look like? Right, right. And and then we can build an application from scratch and just、uh, just have that service.、Then. So now, right now, you have customers. This is. Happening right now, though. Oh yeah, so yeah. people are using it, and、yep. so it's an ongoing concern.、Uh, yeah, yeah, and and right now it is uh, like uh, the the real issue is scalability. You know, as each company comes <clears throat> on board,、um, trying trying to put them alongside all of these other companies and have their process very similar to everybody right, else's to make it process. Like, it's like you said; it's like a server farm where you go in there, and in one case is one company, and then another case is the other company,、yeah. but it's all in the same air conditioned building with the same type of servers. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what you're building. Exactly. And how much warehouse space do you have right now?、Uh, right now, we have like we have two locations.、Um, And between the two, it's about five thousand square foot. And then it's here in Atlanta.、Uh, one's in Atlanta, the other is in Lawrenceville. Okay, but so the metro Atlanta area. Yeah. So you're yeah. really trying to serve local e-commerce companies right now. Well, we're open to. We have the functionality for any. Right. It wouldn't matter,、yeah. but like for at this beginning yeah, part, it's、exactly. probably good to get them where they can drive to it and drop、exactly. it off in their and, own. And、Man. that's a huge selling point, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, like companies want their inventory in the same city, right? So they can see it and、yes. touch it, right? And because, they can drop it off. Exactly, because it's it's their lifeblood, really. Right. It's a company's lifeblood. At、inventory. that stage, they're kind of fragile. Yeah. So that's、exactly. great. And if somebody wants to learn more, what's the website again?、Um, you can go to、uh, shipairlift dot com. And then、uh, they can go and they can learn more about how to get their inventory into your space. Yep. 
there's a get started button and uh, you can sign up and we'll reach out to you and uh, we'll get started. Good stuff. Well, Shein, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on GSU ENI Radio.